0: Welcome to Unstructured Unlocked,
1: a podcast where listeners discover how enterprise leaders are confidently automating document intake and accelerating their workflows to increase capacity and drive top-line revenue.
0: I'm co-host Michelle Govea.
1: And I'm co-host Chris Wells. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Welcome to the next episode of Unstructured Unlocked. I'm co-host Michelle Govea, joined by co-host Chris Wells and our special guest today, Jim DeMarco. We are... Uh, live at Introtech Insights New York uh, in a new room uh, that's got better <laughs> sound uh, for you. So um, welcome, Jim, to the podcast. Uh, I think you two have known each other for a while through through the work between Microsoft and Indico. Yeah. So um, love to understand the background on that a little bit, and Jim, uh, a little bit on your background as well.
1: Yeah, Jim, you're, as I recall, head of insurance strategy. Um, For Microsoft. Right. And that that has been the context of most of our conversations, except occasionally sipping bourbon together and discussing all matters, philosophical uh, and otherwise As um, is
2: appropriate with bourbon. Does not,
1: that <laughs> <makes funny>. sense. <laughs> but I, I may know a lot about you, but our our audience doesn't. So why don't you tell them what's up with you and uh, what you're into these days?
2: Oh, all right. Well, thank you. So, so Jim Demarco, uh, I'm the director of insurance strategy for Microsoft, which means I work in our worldwide financial services organization uh, on how does Microsoft partner with and support the uh, insurance industry a la uh, that would be working with our, you know, our biggest customers in the insurance business, but also with some important strategic partners across the industry as well. Try to look at not just what's now, which you know, right. uh, but also what's next, and also a little bit about what's after that, because uh, insurance companies, uh, as an industry, are the backpinning of everything. You know, it's, it's the old saying: you, right. you know, the, the first thing you pay is the mortgage, <laughs> and the second thing you pay is the insurance. Sure is. And uh, thank you, Sandra Bullock. Uh, <laughs> I, at the same time. Um, Insurance touches everything, and, uh, and but it's also known to be a fairly conservative business. So if we just focused mm-hmm. on just sort of making sure the existing business works, uh, we would not actually help move the needle. Interestingly though, I think insurance is also one of the places where you see a lot of great innovation. This is where we actually saw data-driven decisioning That's in, right. in the 1960s. Yep. Uh, you know, The first heavy use of mainframes came from this okay. patch. And we're starting to see A similar sea change, I think, now in the insurance industry as Mm -hmm. well, where we're starting to see more digital first play, the idea of actually having insurance embedded in other human interaction. Mm -hmm. And so our ability to work with carriers and with strategic partners on how to move that needle for the industry and sort of make what's next real is really kind of what we get the privilege of Microsoft to do because we touch everybody. But our ability to sort of help people is where we're at excited to work with these guys uh, because um, while we're a really good platform company, you know, we make a lot of the platforms that sort of underlie a lot of how technology works and how you run things. Uh, we also uh, don't do everything ourselves. And one of the cool things is to get the opportunity to work with some of the real innovators in the marketplace around how do we change the nature of Interaction, for example, which is one of the things Indico Data has been fantastic at. Not for nothing, Microsoft's really good at what we do, but we didn't write the seminal white paper on generative AI. Uh, and we are a heavy an investor and a good, and a good, a good partner for it. But there's a really good opportunity for us to work with
1: books like this. It's a very long-winded response to hi, Jim. But that's where it is. <laughs> no, it's it's good. Before we jump to one of my favorite topics, Indico, and of course myself. Uh, <laughs> Could we talk a little? That was all very you know grand and you're doing big things and having big ideas. But what's the day to day like for Jim DeMarco? What are you doing to push all of that forward? Uh,
2: it starts with waking up because the cat got me up a little bit too early okay. in the morning. Yep. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, our day to day is you have no idea. <laughs> uh, but our day to day really is focused in on. Working directly with the the largest insurance companies uh, in the world, and some of the okay. some of the sort of the other insurance companies out as well, on understanding everything from uh, where is their business going—that right? is to mm-hmm. say, you know, what's the nature of the larger business—but also then uh, what are the sort of fundamental things that impact us. So we, we work really, okay. really closely on things like climate change and how do we handle oh. the role of. Uh, climate change is particularly timely, given that we're in New York right now. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, yeah. uh, or, or the orange skies of New York right now. Blade uh, runner. Yeah. But with that said, we, we're actually looking at how do we use technology to shift the market to being ready for imminent risks in, uh, and how do we respond to imminent risks, whether in this case, fire. but certainly flood risk, weather mm-hmm. risk and so forth. So it's one of the things we get to sort of look at and work on is how do we provide that shift in the industry from uh, some sort of repair, replace to sort of more the predict, prevent kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that's really the day job. We get to actually work on that. At the same time, we also work on things like public policy uh, around cyber insurance and how do we sort of understand uh, or work with the industry to help, uh, cyber is a great example. This is totally a team sport, right? We have to make sure we're, It's good fighting the bad guys together. And how do we actually help people protect themselves? Yeah. And then the third thing and last to answer on the day job and the things that we really could try to work on is how do we take and understand how the business is actually run? So part of my day job is really sitting down and actually saying, what is particularly generative AI? It's been on people's minds. um, How does that change? The nature of what it means to be an underwriter, or the nature yeah. of it mm-hmm. means to be a claim handler, or the nature of the CFO, and that is conversations I have literally on a daily basis with customers. So, cool. so you're
0: sitting at kind of not you're you're helping develop and influence strategy. So at the high level, these big conversations mm-hmm. at the industry level, and then mm-hmm. also a little bit of. Stepping under the hood and saying, "Here's here's what we can do to help you execute once you once you've identified and developed that strategy."
2: Yeah, it's a fun job, and I got it. You can not have it. Yeah. <laughs> when do you sleep, though? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Honestly, that's, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a big
0: mandate, right?
2: Whenever the cat lets. Oh, right, the cat. Uh, yeah, that's right. But yeah, that's no, it's, it's it's really critical. We have a, a nice thing about Microsoft is we do reach everybody. Yeah. Uh, that's the good news. It's also somewhat the bad news because when you do reach everybody, you have uh, no ability to do a lot of the, like the the very very specific. So while we talk yeah. about the general strategy, and we also work on how do we implement, mm-hmm. um, like execute a plan, and how do you create a transformative moment for a business or mm-hmm. for an industry? That's really cool. The arms and legs of deploying that change uh, are things that you know. Thank God we have an army, right? Uh, so there's that. The other side of that though is also. As broad a view as we have, we don't have necessarily always the very specific view. And so, Microsoft, okay. as an organization, we're a platform company. So our view is we can provide a lot of the technology and a lot of the sort of the reach, capability, and scale that is required to really you know be that fulcrum to to, to lever the world. But we don't always have the ability to really get focused on. Here's how I change this thing, mm. or here's how do I drive. Uh, something I think an analogy um, that we've talked about together and yep. to share with the the folks here uh, listening up home <laughs> uh, is uh, we're kind of like the Lego set. We have the big green thing, mm-hmm. you know, at the bottom it gets dusty on the floor. We've got the two by twos and the two by threes and the the one by ones that always mm-hmm. get stuck in the dishwasher. Oh, I hate those <laughs> things. Yeah, um, but we don't make the Harry Potter Hogwarts train set. We don't have the ability to sort of look at that. We work with our customers and we work with partners. One of the really cool things I like about working with these guys <laughs> is they're really good at. He's pointing uh, at
0: you, you the Indico. I know. me like. are. Oh no! Oh gosh! You
2: are Indico. Dandy. This is getting
1: edited out. Uh, yeah, sure.
2: <laughs> but one of the things we love to we love it is they have the ability to sort of do the higher value add, to yeah. do the thing about actually understanding what is the business process. How do I look at? Um, document ingestion? How do I look at uh, the ability to create a flow through? And how do I create the edges that use some of the technologies Microsoft has, some of the technologies that you have natively, and sort of carry it to the solutioning that actually solves the problem? I have the privilege of being able to talk about what the problem is. I have a great opportunity to actually sort of help identify the parameters and constraints around how you look at a problem and sort of try to solve it. And I have a lot of platform technologies. We, we have a very strong relationship with a number of partners, Indico included, that actually then try to go solve those problems. And what's really cool, one of the cool things about working with Indico, <laughs> Chris in particular, is these guys actually understand the problem really stupid well, too. We do. Uh, so there's that. Um,
1: yeah, and I, I would say, I'll make, I'll make a confession here. Uh, I've, I've been at Indico two and a half years. Uh, when the sort of seeds of the Microsoft partnership were starting to get planted a year or so ago, I was like, Microsoft, we're like this trendy startup doing cool AI stuff, and they're this dinosaur megalith, right? And I could not have been more wrong, um, honestly. Like the 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 support, the collaborative nature of the relationship, and also the like, as you described, very clear boundaries between what Microsoft is, what Indico is, and how that sort of building on top of the platform really adds value. Um, I'll also confess that the reason we understand the problem is that we've stubbed our toes on every corner of every piece of furniture that there is in taking AI uh, to production in the enterprise and all of that toe stubbing we've baked into our platform. Um, And uh, you can build a lot of high value stuff through that.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it. One of the things, and uh, I'm not gonna sit here pitching Microsoft all day. (laughs) uh, One of the things that that, uh, is really kind of cool are uh, Satya uh, Nadella our CEO yeah. says you don't come to Microsoft to be cool you come to Microsoft to make other people cool <laughs> um yeah. and like being yeah. an, an alpha geek myself I'm pretty pretty happy with that and one of the coolest things here is is that we actually like to partner up with people who actually can make things work and mm-hmm. make sort of uh really you know how people achieve more and and this is a, a really cool thing in the insurance industry uh Lots to change, lots of cool things that need to happen. And there's a great opportunity for us to sort of change that, uh, help the industry as it transforms itself. Uh, so I'm very excited to to talk also a little bit about that because I get to play with that every
0: day. So, I love that you're like, we're going to, Microsoft is going to make anything in the insurance industry. Cool, right? Those two are they're <laughs> yeah. starting to get, people are starting to think it's cool. Um, Jim, we talk a lot about on, on this podcast about, The underwriting workflow, the claims workflows, the challenges there uh, with data and automation and how do you improve those processes? Um, I have a little bit of of knowledge just from my time in the insurance carriers of of what some of that might look like. Um, There are some differences that happen between carriers, but on on the, the larger scale, a lot of those challenges are the same. What do you find when you're having these conversations with your partners? Is it similar challenges? Is it depending on where they are in their innovation or their digital transformation that they're looking for different things? Is it, um, very different as you're talking to, to these partners?
2: Yeah. Um, I, I forgive an analogy. Cause I think in them sometimes, but, um, it, insurance companies situations seem to be like snowflakes. They're, mm-hmm. they're all unique, but they basically follow eight patterns, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. There, there are certain patterns that you see in, in the market more generally. Um, and, so the answer to your question, I'm afraid, Michelle, is, is frequently it depends.
0: It's my favorite answer. To the answer. <laughs> yeah, I never
1: get a straight answer from anybody anymore. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, you, you put things on the Internet. Uh, you, know. You, you, know, you know, what can I say? Uh, okay. At I'll, least you didn't
1: start your answer with as an AI language model. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes, you know. Uh, allow me to respond now. Let me ask. Hey, <laughs> chat, GPT. No, um, really, seriously speaking, uh What we find is that uh, people look to technology to change things, but technology just accelerates things. We have to understand the business process that we're trying to solve for. And every carrier seems to be in a somewhat unique position vis-a-vis their own journey. Uh, That said, I would also say that there are patterns of journeys that are very, very similar. For example, if I'm looking at um, say, commercial property casualty claims, mm-hmm. I know that uh, if I have a fire claim, I'm going to have certain things that are going to come in. I'm going to have the, you know, the certificates, the, okay. yep. the damage estimates, the building value estimates, the issues on what's the commercial value impact, and so forth and so on. And a lot of it's going to be a heck of a lot of documents that are going to come in, and I need to understand what all that's going to be. And I'm going to have some Porsche left who has to sit there and look through all those documents and understand you know, those documents and say, so key up, this is what's happening and so mm-hmm. forth and so on. And uh, a lot of commercial property casualty is still done in that manner. Yeah. Um, some people have more sophisticated approaches to that. Some of them are using automated document ingestion. Some people are using uh, commercial front-end software like a CRM to actually sit okay. there and do stuff. Yep. But at the end of the day, yep. the pattern or the business practice is I need to figure out what went wrong, what's the peril and whether or not I have coverage and how much it is. Um, And that's where uh, we have to sort of ask the question, what problem are we trying to solve for? Am I trying to just solve for the problem of, I want to adjust a bunch of documents or am I trying to solve for the problem of, I need to understand my liability quickly and at the least cost possible so that I can have the optimal result for client and firm. And when we start to decompose the business process, that's when we bring in the technology. Okay. Yep. I gave you, a, again, long winded answers. I'm yep. afraid that's just my my brand. <laughs> uh, so. It's less yeah. talking than yeah, I have was going to gonna say. It's it's it works is for us. Yeah, Jim, yeah. Jim's coming back every week.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, God, not for anybody who listens to this podcast.
0: <laughs> no, but, but we've talked about that too, yeah. where if you automate a broken process, it it stays broken. It's just broke. It breaks faster. I think that's what Chris said. That's Um,
2: right. Yeah. Peter Drucker, the, the, the management guru, everybody knows him for culture, eat strategy for breakfast. Uh, His best quote is that nothing is worse than improving that, which had never been done in the first place.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, we, so I talked about stubbing toes and getting to production with AI. Our plot, one of the things our platform allows you to do is sort of like, Uh, memorialize your process in an AI assisted Mm -hmm. AI um, augmented and accelerated workflow. Um, But we always caution people as we're helping them get up and running. Like, is this this really the process that you want to memorialize forever and just let the robots run or, and we've started to build and we started to build out capabilities for professional services to help people that have never really done change management on a back office process to, think the right thoughts and uh, crystallize the right process.
2: That's actually one of the things that I do the most with my customers in terms of, back to what's the day job, my team, what we try to actually go do is just understand the current and intentional process uh, for things because, you know, I give into quotes, I guess Einstein was asked, he, he, Einstein says, if I had an yeah, hour I'm to solve a you problem. You keep pulling these out though. It's... Is someone fact checking this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, <maybe laughs> in real time. So, like, somewhere you know, on, banner, like, somewhere are in here, models. there's generative AI going, <laughs> here's your next quote, yeah. Jim. Uh, but you know, Einstein said, if I had an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes on the solution. Yeah. Hmm. And the reason for that was, uh, you know, his, his, his rationale is if you can decompose the problem to actually what you're trying to solve for, yeah. you find that the solution actually comes. If you just start right into solving the problem, yeah. uh, you end up solving a piece part and not actually getting to the end. Yeah. So when you guys are sitting talking with your customers and they're going, hey, I really want to handle this really cool thing about using tech to actually yeah. make it so that I don't have to have a, an army of people sitting there hand-coding yeah. responses, no actually the part of the challenge, really, is well, that's a piece of the, the overall problem. The problem, the, the KPI I'm going for is I need to get to a fast decision that's accurate. Uh, yes. Okay. Now let's look at how do we solve it.
0: We just talked about this on a, okay. on another episode with with Brandy from, from Indico, where she was talking about when she's having these conversations with with the customers can... and launching pilots or or starting the engagement of okay. well, the customer says this is what we want to solve for, this is what we want to measure. And a part of Brandy's role is having to roll it back and say, but to get there, you're really trying to solve for X, right? right? And you will eventually get to that metric, but what's important is is solving the smaller piece um, or the sprite piece, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Um, The
2: decomposition of the problem into into its piece parts and then providing the right flow. Yeah, it's just all that math we did back when we were kids, turns out. We were kids. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, when you were a kid, I uh, you know, and maybe uh, uh, for me it was a long time ago. We were still using, you know, we were still using stone slates back then. But uh, I yeah, I didn't want to say that because I couldn't remember the word itself. I know, no, no uh, but seriously, that construct of making a big problem into a smaller one and then understanding what's the intentional flow—that is the essence of transformation in many respects. Incremental
0: right. improvement and innovation yes. to yeah, yeah. to get to. To the you know the pie in the sky state.
2: Yeah, and and, and at, at the same time, sorry, mm-hmm. as an aside from what I do for Microsoft, I also actually aside also I teach. Graduate school and I teach digital oh, transformation. Bless your heart. Oh, yeah, it's my poor students. I wasn't if sure any, where if was any of going, you are listening to this, up. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, no. it's like, oh, by the way, here, like allow to me to show you. you
2: my company. Yeah, no. Uh, no, but what what I see is we 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 work with we work on digital transformation for large and small companies as part of this course. Mm-hmm. And what I see and I continually get the response. People think, oh, digital transformation is I'm bringing all these new technologies. Like, stop. Mm-hmm. Digital right. transformation starts with where is your business? What are the things that are changing that business? And then how do you look at yourself in the future and look at the business intent? It is a strategy around uh, what am I trying to change for my business or my industry? Yeah. And then come at how, how I leverage that technology. And that for me is uh, the essence of how I get there. And then if you're going to do it then you have a roadmap. And that's where you pull in small piece here, larger piece there sure. and so forth and then sort of create that flywheel mm-hmm. effect of change. Right.
0: I think a lot of people too um one one of the the criticisms of the insurance industry, right, is that it's so slow moving, right? To innovate, yeah. to change. And I think Jim the point you just made is is a perfect one in that you have to do it incrementally because these insurance carriers are enterprises that have been around for many, many, many years with their own legacy systems or technologies that it takes time to deload all of the information the data that's there to get it into a, one a place that can be part of a digital transformation, but even to move it um, oh, in a way that, that that data stays, you know, um, structured the way it is, or has been used in the past. A lot of different systems are siloed. They need to start talking to each other again. Um, I think once, once startups are you know, people understand that it becomes a much more, to your point, digestible challenge to say, this strategy will take us five to 10 years to execute. But if we start doing this now, um, we'll start to Constant see stream of reward. Exactly. Yeah.
1: I hate. I, I'm sorry for this dad joke, but I think the <laughs> emphasis has been on the wrong syllabus <laughs> in digital transformation, and that transformation is the thing, right? The digital is an implementation yeah. detail. Yeah. Detail, frankly. Um, yeah. I te- te- technology
2: is an accelerant. Exactly. Uh, and and while there are certain technologies that are such accelerants and touch so many things that they can be considered transformative in and of themselves, at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, it's still solving for a human or a business process. That's right. right. Uh, And that from our perspective means really start, come back to what are we trying to do? Where are we trying to go? Mm -hmm. Back to your point, Michelle, and like a lot of insurance companies, insurance has a sort of a, a, please forgive me a little philosophical here, but insurance has historically been built around understanding specific risks. Mm -hmm. And customers were, Categorized and bucketed into risks. That's how so risk. we would risk pool, yeah, exactly. right? That's yeah, exactly. the whole point of the exercise in some respects. Uh, but as a result, we have a very product-driven, risk-driven model where uh, mm-hmm. you are as a customer to me, you, you would be a set of risks associated with them. until I tell you a product that is he's this package of risks. If you wanted to buy another product mm-hmm. from me. You're a second customer to me in many respects, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Because that product has its own sort of bucket analysis of risks and so forth mm-hmm. and so on. So one of the fundamental challenges that insurance companies have run into is they, they address it as we need to bundle. Uh, bundling is, a, is is a symptom of the of the broader problems. I need to actually understand my customers and what they're trying to do. And then if I the talk of going customer centric as as an industry requires us to sort of rethink fundamentally what is our operating model and our operating intent. And that is a change in not just process, that's a transformation of mindset as a
1: business. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. I had this great conversation with an insurance company a number of years ago. I was actually sitting in on a conversation with the board of one of these (laughs) companies. And uh, they're they're talking back and forth about all these cool things they want to do with technology. And uh, I kind of raised my hand in the middle of the meeting and, and said, so just out of curiosity, you guys have a customer model. Chief Marketing Officer leaned forward, looked the CIO square in the eye, and said, "I told you so." (laughs) Uh, It was was really cool. It was was, (laughs) was kind of like being at Altamont at that point. It was like, "Hey, look, there's a big fight." Uh, (laughs) But it was really, really cool to understand. Was there's a fundamental understanding that customers don't belong to products. Products are things that support customers, and when somebody comes to an insurance company they're asking for protection or advice or something about their own personal lifestyle, their business or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And uh, the insurance companies themselves I have to sort of really realize that those become, that becomes the center of the process. The process is a human or a business trying to achieve something yeah. rather than somebody that's coming to look to buy a product off of me. And that's a huh. fundamental sea change in terms of how we look at our systems, our processes, and our integrations with others. And if I'm sending you a bunch of documents and I'm saying, here's my stuff, I don't want to say, oh, fit that document into my processes. No, this guys actually trying to do something. And that's where you see, I think, the difference between good and great huh. in five years from now
1: in the industry. Are you seeing? Sorry, are you seeing carriers have to, as they're making this transition, have to re-educate the customer because this is not the way the customer has come up to the counter and asked for the product historically either. Uh, it's
2: not, but there's a great analogy in, in uh, to all of this about 25 years ago. The telco okay. industry did exactly the same. Okay, uh, interesting. Because everybody you just subscribed to a plan. Remember that? And then we started offering things like bundles and then you could actually do multiple okay. things with your cell phone. And then you had to like do more and more services. But this okay. turns out, you started thinking less about like, what are the services I'm putting out to the market and how do I make profit on those services? Yeah. But now how do I look at my customers? Yeah, okay. So there is actually the customer, uh, I think insurance companies more generally, we have a mindset in the industry that we sort of understand risk really well. And no question the insurance For industry sure. does. Yep. But understanding that customers don't think in terms of risk, they think in terms of how do I run my bakery, how do I make sure (laughs) that I can get my kids to school, how can I plan for my kids' college education, or how do I actually drive a car, uh, you know, how can I actually make sure I can go drive a car. Those are what the customers, the humans are actually trying to achieve. I guess
1: I've never looked at actuarial tables before I went to buy car insurance. That's a good point. (laughs) There is that, (laughs) you know? We also um,
0: keep them very secret, so you couldn't you wouldn't, you wouldn't uh, find them even if you looked. Uh, yeah. Congratulations,
2: you are in this spot to yeah, yeah.
0: But I think too that's probably why there's so much um, conversation and interest in the embedded insurance model, right? Because you're you're bringing those insurance products to the point of w- where the where the customer is in a, in a lot of times, and mm-hmm. that's they're 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 looking for a product. Um, you're meeting them where they are, even if they may not even realize they need the product, but it's there. Yeah. There's that synergy of oh, I'm buying this. It makes sense to have this, and right. I think that's why you're seeing such such high demand for for that because it's a lot of lifestyle products. You know, I've yeah. seen a lot of insurance that's like oh, you're going uh, on a snowboarding trip. You should buy you know accident insurance. Okay, <laughs> amazing. Um, that that's amazing.
2: Plus travel delay, plus yeah. Uber yeah. insurance, plus mm-hmm. plus yeah, yeah. And exactly to your point, yeah, that's that is a sea change. Yeah, but that is also mm-hmm. a sea change where insurance is supporting a human doing mm-hmm. something. As opposed to oh wait a minute i need to go to insurance to go do this
0: exactly yeah
2: there there will always be a world where i need to have a financial backstop if my building burns to the ground Mm -hmm. that is true because at some point or another if i don't have insurance and i have a house and all my money's in my house and my house burns down i'm kind of in trouble um that is very true but when we see the when we see now people traveling or we start to see the idea of embedding insurance in a product with like, you know, warranty embedded, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, we, we can skip the details on warranty insurance, but the, the construct still is the same. It is something that supports another human transaction. And that I think is where we have to really now think insurance is a slightly different thing, right? It's yeah. now uh, much smaller, it's much more rapid. It has to be something that fits into something that a human can go do. Um, there's some really, really cool stuff out there like travel delay insurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I used it. you used <laughs> travel <laughs> delay yes, insurance? Yes, Did you get your $50 for your, I, for your dinner? I did, or your $10 and it was parametric. Product? So yes, it, it,
0: it was triggered oh just God. by the data that said the train is late. Uh, here, is, here is your reimbursement for, for that ticket. Look
1: and, at Michelle's face lighting. It's about parametric insurance.
0: <laughs> insurance geek. I know. Yeah, I know. that was great. Yeah.
2: For, <laughs> the, for the 17 people who know what parametric insurance <laughs> <Yeah. it> is. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: That is but that's awesome,
2: also, yeah. I think, uh, the right digital model in a lot of respects, because what it does is it gets us away from this construct of I need to think about 400 years of loss history
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, down yeah. to
2: it is a small, simple transaction that supports a human doing something, you yeah. getting on a train going someplace. Yeah, Right? And that, mm-hmm. that is now, that's how we talk about transformation in the business. Now, when we talk about that, there's also that means. We have to there's nobody who could underwrite that manually. Parametric insurance, you needed to have the parameters yeah, set. Yeah, you need there. to have the
0: data feed, it needs to be automatic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And
2: and that means that's where tech comes in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly to our exactly, to, I guess, the point of your of your podcast. Tech is now supporting a completely different process. Now it's supporting for sure. plugging in so that you can you can go someplace, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or you know uh, we 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 talked with somebody <laughs> about trying to put together a plan for uh, Coachella insurance, right? You know all of the different <laughs> things that, that go into my. My my experience
0: Coachella.
2: Let's just say that's not what I do on my off time, but, uh, <laughs> Right, The cat won't let you go
1: to Coachella. Pre- yeah, yeah. Pre-
2: pretty much. Uh, <laughs> you know, some stadio professor. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, um the construct becomes now looking at how do I slipstream that into a human process. Mm-hmm. There's some people who are absolutely phenomenal at this in the industry. And surprisingly, not always the startups. Uh, you know, when I saw oh, techs are going to you know, these actually some of the biggest carriers are doing some of the really right. coolest stuff. Travel delay insurance mm-hmm. was that 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 wasn't was one of the largest reinsurers. I think you invented that. Huh. Uh right. and cool. you know, yeah. I you know, uh but it, it takes a mindset shift. Mm-hmm. And and it really comes down to finding the right uh business process and then asking the question, how do I put the technology into it? Yep. Um uh, what that means for us tech players for guys like you and, and me yeah. is it means we have to be super quick we have to have stuff that's easily scaled and easily deployed Right, uh, and then we need to have stuff where it can be just I, I learn from this and I grow it and I grow the next and I grow the next which is again you know, we start looking at um, back to sort of what's the core bread and butter of like how do I use AI and insurance Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we have to understand that it has to be understandable, rapid, easy to understand, easy to use, easy to scale. And then I, I don't need to train an army of data scientists and how to use this stupid thing. Right? Data, okay. right? Uh, and and not that data science isn't a wonderful experience. I got I got a daughter as a data scientist, but what they're shifting more and more toward now is understanding you know really good data science for the people who can understand what's a human process so they can actually configure how that works right mm-hmm. yeah so We awesome. touched
0: on on the major topic I mean here at the conference it's been it's been keynote speakers and and panels on generative AI it's the big topic of, of the conference um, the flavor of the day, the flavor, of the day yes. <laughs> the
2: flavor of the probably the next five years yes exactly um, this is a game changer yeah. we, we've it talked
0: is. about it a little bit on the podcast but would love to get to get your thoughts jim on on how do how do you go about deploying those capabilities i mean ai we've talked about ai's been been around yeah. for a while like companies have been using it but now there's all of this attention on it mm-hmm. because individuals can, can use it can access it and those capabilities and um how, how do they get to do that, right? What are what are the concerns? What are the the things they have to be worried about? What do carriers need to think about when when they're looking to deploy um, solutions with these capabilities? And uh, both of your thoughts on it. I mean, you guys are yeah. much more experts in that space than I am.
1: Well, I I think I'll actually deflect that question and ask Jim a related question before I give my answer, which is we've we've heard from a number of carriers like here and in recent conversations saying things to us like, oh, GPT's here. We don't, why would we need a solution like yours? And I wonder if you've, part of that I think is, um, part of it I think is hype, part of it I think is the usual sort of business mindset that (laughs) here's a technology, we're gonna technology all the things. Um, And then part of it I think is just wishful thinking, but I would love to know if you've had similar conversations and how you answer that question.
2: I've I've heard everything from uh, Skynet is now self aware. <laughs> uh, this this AI stuff's going to kill us all, which okay. I think is um, perhaps a bit. That's be streaming headlines. It does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come with
1: me if you want to live, Joe. Yeah, it's it's a,
2: it's a bit on one edge. Uh, 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 on the other edge, I have seen the this stuff's never going to work. Oh, okay. um, and on um, the the sort of the the other piece of it, I think we've seen is. Uh, use this for what and and it's actually the use this for what is probably the most interesting of those three responses cuz this yeah. is kind of not software this is, this is narrow ai we can talk mm. deep deep details about uh, you know the construct but it, it's taking the technology generative ai is taking uh, you know it, it's taking drudgery out of work right it's, Absolutely. it's it's got the ability to reduce the use of rote task yeah Great, back to our earlier sort of philosophical conversation about how does all this stuff work, right. we're still thinking the problem is what's the business problem or technical human problem mm-hmm. we're trying to solve? Right. So back to uh, sort of what we're seeing and hearing in that space then is we're, the questions that come, come to me from customers and quite literally on a daily basis now is what can I use this tech for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And my response back is, it varies, but my response back it for depends. Me, yeah. depends. Yeah, of course, I, I didn't want but to give the consultant's answer. but thanks, <laughs> thanks Michelle.
1: Uh, my yeah, you're You know, uh, teaming up on me. This is not how this podcast usually goes. I, I have
2: my pen. I'm going to write down the number of times we say "depends" uh, in the conversation. Uh, but the, as it as it comes out, the. The response I give is: We need to actually understand the business processes we're coming at, and mm-hmm. then understand from there uh, what I can use the technology to uh, to achieve. So, I actually sit down and sit with customers and want to talk about generative AI. theres sort of three basic three basic pillars to the to the yeah. to the response? Pillar one is the use cases: What am I trying to do? Pillar two is a technology play because this is tech. Yeah. You have to deploy it. You also have to deploy it securely, scale both both yeah. vertical and horizontal. So, vertical as in, I need to use a lot more of it sometimes, and horizontal as in, I use it for more things. Yeah. Uh, so, I have that piece. Uh, I mentioned security. I'm going to come back to that three or four more times. I might as well do yeah, as many good. tick marks on security as I can on, on it depends uh, <laughs> because it's really, really important. Yeah. Um, uh, you know everything from regulatory we're working with customer data mm-hmm. we're working mm-hmm. with uh, you know sometimes really super sensitive data yeah. uh, pii PHI uh, you know Pxi if you will mm-hmm. um, and and there's elements of all of that so the technology deployment model has to be done right um, and just saying oh I'm just going go to go use chat GPT to do it <laughs> <I> mean, Microsoft <laughs> is very well known we're a huge investor in in, in open AI yeah. so uh, but at the same time, we need to have industrial grade scale. If we're an insurance company, we need to have highly compliant approach to right. things. If we're we're the thing,
0: and so, a system that's flexible and nimble enough to change as the regulatory landscape right. changes. Right. And,
2: yeah. yeah. And that's actually where the third leg of the stool comes in. So use cases, technology, and governance. Yes. Exactly mm-hmm. to your point. That third leg of the stool is doing it right. Then doing yeah. it right is a combination of uh, responsible AI. Uh, come. it goes in with all of your compliance, your risk, your risk modeling, your compliance modeling, and how you actually operate as a business. Uh, there's great technology, whether we talk about generative AI or other cognitive AI, which is the other place where we see a heck of a lot of work mm-hmm. uh, coming in. There's a lot of things that you can do with that technology that, um, uh, to, to quote the guy who's like uh, a few layers above me in Microsoft, it can be a tool or it can be a weapon. Yeah. and uh it has to be done in a manner that is responsible and that's when we sort of when i work with carriers i say this is the three legs of your stools you need your list of use cases you need to you need the technology play to be done right get your data house in order get your integration pieces right. in order get your business processes laid out right make sure you're doing secure scale compute um and then incredibly importantly and i know a lot of a lot of companies and, and a number of insurance carriers miss this third leg of the stool, which is governed properly, yeah, governed yeah. ethically, have uh, have a real, at the board level or at the C level, have a governance committee
1: for how you use technology in this way. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't point out to the listener that very little of what you just said is uh, OpenAI specific. Like, no, mm-hmm. this, is, this is true of any technology you buy, I, and I, I also, and you know, no offense to my insuri- insurance colleagues out there, but governance, I think, has long been a struggle in insurance companies where every actuary has a model. They run on their desktop with their own access database.
0: No We're seeing one knows a lot of it. movement now on, on the entrepreneurial side of companies uh, coming forth with these governance and compliance solutions of here's absolutely. how we can audit audit your, your models. We can have um, a a track record that you have reviewed these, that there's no yeah. bias in your models. Um, and to, where's that data coming from? We have the protections in place to, to secure that data. We have um, protocols and, and procedures if we need to yeah. eliminate that data from from a model because of, of you know, a state has said you can no longer use that in your underwriting or your pricing or Interesting. Um, okay. we still have to do that regulatory episode we do guys. have to yes. do the regulatory <laughs> episode
1: it's going to be a great one we just, we there's a,
0: anyone a that paper. does rates and filings work out there that's listening that wants to join please do yeah. um, it comes up every time we talk it about really this it really yes. <laughs> Well, it's
2: interesting. so uh, I'm going to jump in on your regulator thing, because actually one of the things we've been advocating as a business is to actually establish well-formed regulations, well-informed regulations mm-hmm. yep. around this. Uh, we have, within Microsoft, we have, and this is one of our real distinct advantages or differences in the marketplace, we actually have a committee, an organization that actually sits there and looks at the use of AI, ours and our partners, nice. and mm-hmm. actually we create our own sort of self-regulating model around whether or not we will use a piece of AI, whether it's generative, cognitive, yeah. or deductive—you uh, know, machine learning—we uh, actually go through and review project by project. Is this a project that could be, uh, you know, what's its intended use? What's the, you know, is is it fit for purpose? But then also, what are the potential unintended consequences? Okay. I work with a partner, absolutely phenomenal technology. Yeah uh that was really really cool it actually has healthcare outcomes that so could be very very cool and very positive both from an insurance perspective but also just from a human surviving perspective it's oh, a very cool piece of technology but in certain circumstances it could be used to discriminate against people okay and so we said we actually we have actually stopped our partnership with them until they built an entire framework and guidance guide rails around the responsible use of it to make sure that it could not be used in an appropriate manner and that's part of how you do this if it's done right insurance companies need this for compliance purposes but they also need to do it just because it's the right thing to do yeah Mm -hmm. and that's a place where we really want to work with customers not to pitch our partnership or nothing but you actually have some really cool ideas around actually because generative ai is part of a challenge in this Generative ai and of its nature is a bit of a black box in terms of the app oh it's the blackest of black boxes but there are places where we can come in and actually provide traceability by actually sort of logging, totally. handling outcomes the flow through process. And that's actually some really cool stuff. So would you mind yeah. talk, sort of talking through no, that a little no. bit? Because I think that's
1: cool. I'll give a funny anecdote first and then uh, maybe I'll talk a little bit about what we're building and what's coming out you know, even in the next few weeks. Um, the funny anecdote, and I think this goes back to what you were saying, responsible AI is a super nuanced thing and I'm I'm glad that smart people like you all are, are working on it because I think most people would put some pretty draconian and not very thoughtful rules in place, um, but even 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 the rules that maybe are in place today are could be a little more nuanced. So You're gonna I was, get in
0: trouble for this.
1: No, I won't get in trouble for this. <laughs> okay. so this will be fine. <laughs> See you at my next company. Um, <laughs> I was uh, I was trying to generate some synthetic data, uh, you know, rare data fields that were found in only a few documents, then someone had used to train a model. So I said, "Well, I've got this." Generative black box. Let me put the few examples I have in and get out a few that I can use, and then you know loop that back in, retrain the model. You get this like virtuous cycle, right? At least in theory. And there's this one field, and these were all like commercial real estate documents. There's this one field that I that I kept like it just errored out, and, like I wasn't. It was bad software practice. I wasn't logging the messages very well, so I came in and I looked. I just sent one through, and it was like you violated our terms. And it turns out this was about fair use of a building, and uh, the the like one example I had talked about brothels and sex workers. And so I was trying to do something very ethical, which is you know help someone get a machine learning model that wasn't discriminating against anyone, and I got blocked um, because the filter, you know. It was, it was a very hard filter, right? Like yeah. the context of what I was doing was not part of making the decision about whether I should do it or not. And so I, there's work to do there. I would say
2: it's, it's kind of cool. So, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm i
1: i loathe to get into product details and as a
2: strategy guy from Microsoft, I'll probably get the product details <laughs> wrong anyways, but we'll run our
1: next company together, Jim.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: the other I'll side. Huh? The other. yeah, here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Michelle, appreciate that. We're going to need some investing quickly. Uh, but uh, you know, one, one of the things that, Mike, that that we do, people actually ask about sort of why, you know, what, what is Microsoft with the open AI stack? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. one of the things that is inherent in what we do is our systems, we actually <laughs> track input output on the use of generative AI. Yeah. And we do not record um, we actually have something that's just this quiet listener on the output of any trained model. So, tra- you a know, model response, right? You, you know yeah. the tech better than I do. Yeah. Uh, if certain things start to come out on, on the use of any given model, we actually, it, the system auto logs it and flags it.
1: Nice. So, is it recording? It is recording. Okay. Pick up where you left off. Or something yeah. in that neighborhood. You're talking okay. about the logging of outputs.
2: Yes. Yeah. So one of the things how they, the Azure Azure OpenAI stack yeah. kind of sort of works, and for those of you who are listening in, please don't hold me to it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, Disclaimer. Get text, Disclaimer. I'll get the text slightly wrong, but the general gist of it is this: yeah. when when you're dealing with uh, the use of any algorithm with cognitive or with generative AI, yeah. or generative AI in particular. We actually, the system in the back end is just sort of letting it go, letting things happen. But, it's, but it is holding back. We do not, really, in our contract, we will show that we we will sometimes stop and flag and re- auto record something as an output, even though it is not our data. Mm-hmm. Because those so, so people who use their data. They're, they're doing their thing. Yeah. We will actually do a hold if there is an inappropriate use flag hit. Okay. So the idea of talking about sex workers may trigger that. It'll get logged. Sorry, I'm in even, your system. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it, it'll, it'll get logged flagged and a human will actually have to wow. look at it. Okay. Now, if a customer decides they don't want to have that logging, they can turn it off. But the only way they can okay. turn it off is if they have an ethical AI program that does it themselves. So they actually have to have, they have to prove, their, they, have to prove huh. they actually have their own structure in place for us to do it. And, and, and the point That's of the exercise here is that... This tool is incredibly powerful. These tools we need guys yeah. help develop the, the very first of these tools. Uh, these tools are super, super powerful, but they can be used for inappropriate use, even unintentionally. And yeah. so our mm-hmm. ability to sort of make sure we're doing the right thing is uh, we find ourselves in a position where we have to self-regulate and self-police. Yep. That said, back to your thing, should we do something on, on, on regulation? I think the answer is yes, because yeah. we need to be working together with whether it's, you know, in, in the case of insurance NAIC or, or, yeah. or uh, IAIS, uh, but also with the governments themselves on these things. I know there's the, the, the US government's working on this, EU is working on this, the yeah. UK government's trying to work on how do we create the right standards and frameworks yeah. appropriately. Yeah. And that's a place where we think is a great
1: opportunity for public private partnership as well. Fascinating. So on that note, let me circle back to the original question you answered me, which is about where is this going within Indigo? Yeah. Indigo's um, history, we were very early in, in generative models. And then we realized that the discriminative models at the time were more powerful models that can't generate stuff, but they're good at finding stuff. Right. Right. So we built a product on top of that. Um, and that's nice because they don't the discriminative models you know the name's discriminative like they don't misbehave right like they're just finding what's in your document if you use it for bad things downstream well that's that's on you like we just again bad process we just helped you get there quicker (laughs) right um so we've taken that mindset everything we've learned about you know, comparatively discriminative models are a bit of a gray box. They're not quite, you know, coal black, like a a large language model. We've taken that mindset to the large language model space and we've said, okay, one of the things you have to do to build a scalable machine learning model is you have to label data. So let's use GPT four zero shot and just, you know, help make it turn into a labeling engine, like do my labeling for me. I'll be QA instead of the highlighter on the page. Mm And one of the things, one of the things that changes there is you actually have to, you have to take its answers. It says, I found this, but it doesn't, it doesn't know where in the string the word started or where it ended. That's just not the kind of thing it does. Right. So Mm -hmm. we have to go back and find it. Um, And so it's a combination of prompt engineering, good old fashioned software engineering, and also just some heuristics to say, okay, we, we think we found it here. There are the model thinks that found it here. We can find it there. It's not a hallucination. Okay, good. Push that into the label. Let the human review it, right? Now you have traceability. Now you have traceability, right? Which is which is huge, right? I, I came from financial services and data governance and like the flow of why did I invest in this based on what I saw in the markets is like you have to have that. You have to be able to cite it chapter and verse because someday an auditor's coming looking, right? It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Yeah. And also decision you know, in the insurance space
2: to, to tracking to why did I underwrite this way? Why did I actually de- determine exactly. what determination did I make about a claim? Uh, you know, all of those different elements, those are all required traceability. So there's a compliance element, regardless of financial services, industry sector that you have to get to. And this has been a fundamental challenge as people start to look at this like, oh, yeah. what going to do with it? <laughs> well, the cool thing is you can do an awful lot, but you can. when you actually add in the ability to drive traceability of large language models. Now we can think about how do we simplify tons of processes and still stay compliant.
1: Absolutely. And it gets even scarier when you leave the sort of realm of like help me do discriminative stuff, but faster to help me truly generate something novel. Like here's a summary of the policy coverages that I've written so that I can compare with like the first notice of loss that came in. Mm -hmm. Right. And you know with a little bit of work you can actually do not just summarization but you can do grounded summarization right. and have the model show its work right like i don't know whether i think these large language models can reason but they can they can act like they're reasoning and if if you keep that if you have the right mental model for how that works um you know you can sort of open up yeah. the box and yeah. you can see what what's going on and why a decision was made and but why this word followed that word, right? And
2: now you can simply doing this, you can simplify the business process. 100%. You can squeeze it down. So now it fits in with embedded insurance, with embedded yeah. finance, because now you can actually say, I can, for the easy stuff, Yes, I can have a fully traceable, fully understandable, relatively clean cut to the, uh, you know, to my my target loss ratio approach to my business where I'm not just taking my best guess, but actually based upon the appropriate uh, parameters. And then when there's stuff that's hard, yeah, then I can actually that's where I bring in my humans. Yep. That's where I actually start doing the more you've elevated their stuff. role. Yeah. yeah. This is
1: uh, it's it, only it, making
2: human jobs better. Yeah. At the end of the day, I love it that people say you know the Skynet is you know, Sk- Skynet is self aware is, is kinda of funny. The oh by the way, we're gonna eliminate ten thousand jobs doing this. We're just gonna make ten thousand jobs a whole lot easier. That's right. and enable people to do more high-value-add work and a lot less drudgery because now I don't have to have those people go sift through the document to Mm -hmm. find, uh, you know, is there a family history of heart attack? Yes, no, and I get back the answer, yes, no.
1: Uh, And by the way, the turnover on those jobs is miserable, right? Because nobody (laughs) wants to do that forever.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. And now I can let people get better, get more expert at what they do. Um, And uh, there is a virtuous cycle in Mm -hmm. all of this if we do it right, but it still all boils back. You have to have the tech right. You gotta get the use cases right. You gotta understand what problems I'm trying to solve. And then if we don't do this, if we don't do this in an ethical responsible manner, uh, we are not long for this
1: world. That's right. And I would say Microsoft and and Azure OpenAI are at the forefront of that. At least one man, just one man's opinion. (laughs) But I do spend my day thinking about this.
2: Well, as my old mentor used to say, from your lips to God's (laughs) ears. There
1: you go. Well, we have covered a massive amount of of ground today. Any last words, Jim, for the audience?
2: Uh, Well, thank you for for suffering through a (laughs) conversation that involved me. But also, uh, I I have to say, I'm I'm thrilled about uh, the direction and the ability that we can take things. We have this really is because there are so many different places we can touch now with with uh, generative AI because cognitive AI has finally become a mature product as as well. We now have the ability to really rethink the human process and simplify, simplify, simplify. That for me is super exciting. Working with great partners who actually, you know, can help push the thinking and also make it really work and bring it to life is fantastic. Uh, I'm really excited. I I am, I'm an optimist generally, but I'm
0: super
1: optimistic about this, thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you, thank Jim. You. This has been another episode of Unstructured Unlocked. I'm co-host Chris Wells.
0: I'm co-host Michelle Gouveia.
1: And our guest today has been Jim Demarco, who does all things strategy for insurance companies at Microsoft. One last thanks, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Unstructured Unlocked. You can find all of our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts today. Spotify, Apple, everywhere. Be sure to follow at IndicoData on Twitter and YouTube. Have a good day automated.